0: Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamo Gordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles and join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This morning we're going to look at the one thing that changes everything. The one thing that changes everything. I'm not going to keep you in suspense in case you're wondering, like, what is it? Listen, it's the resurrection. That's the one thing that changes everything. It's the centerpiece of our history. It's the very thing on which time itself turns in our world. If you will join me. Let's stand as we look at the word that the Lord has given us. If you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen, but I would invite you to turn in your copy of Scripture this morning. 1 Corinthians 15. Right now, we'll we'll go down through verse 11. And Paul's writing here. He says, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. For I'm the least of the apostles, not worthy to be called an apostle, because I, was, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me, whether then it is I or they, so we have proclaimed, and so you believed. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here this morning. I thank you for the wonderful songs that the choir just sang. Proclaiming your death, burial, and resurrection. Now this morning I pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear your word. That we would see this morning the the glory of the resurrection. The one thing that changes everything in our world. The one thing that changes everything in our lives. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. So I have really just two points this morning and then a question that we're going to wrap up with. I'm not going to go long. So in case you have an Easter roast in the oven, I will try my best to get you out of here on time. All right. Um, So here's why I can say this is the one thing that changes everything. The first thing we need to understand is that the resurrection is reliable for faith. It's reliable for faith in Christ. Now now listen, in our world today, there are a whole bunch of skeptics. And and let's be honest, let's let's be fair. All right, let's let's be fair to them. Hearing about someone dying and then coming back from the dead is not something we, we, we hear every day, right? In fact, I've said many times here, if I'm ever preaching a funeral and the casket opens and the corpse sits up, I will beat you out the back doors. I will run over children, old ladies, I don't care. I'm, I'm out. Okay? It's not normal. And yet, this is the very thing that Scripture declares, that Jesus was, was killed in the most brutal way imaginable. And three, years, uh, three days later, he walked out of the tomb. Now, Paul says he delivers this. Look here in, in verse 2. He says he, believed, he delivered this as most important. In other words, what Paul's saying, listen, if there's only one message he could preach, this would be it. This, if you walk away with nothing else, he says, walk away with this. What does he want us to walk away with? He wants us to walk away with this gospel, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. In other words, just like the prophets in the Old Testament said he would. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day. And then he adds that phrase again, according to the scripture. So he died just the way it was foretold hundreds of years before before he was even born. And then he rose just like it was told about hundreds of years before Christ was even born. And then not only that, get this, he appeared to people. So this isn't just some myth that Paul's saying, hey, we've heard that Christ appeared. No, he's saying people saw him. And he gives us a list here. Cephas, which is Peter. It's his, that's his other, his, his other name, Peter. Then to the twelve. And check this out. Then to over 500 brothers and sisters. And he says here, most of them are still alive at the time he's writing. In other words, what he's implying there is you can go ask these people. Tell me about seeing the risen Christ. And he says, but, but some have fallen asleep. Paul's writing about 30 years after After all this took place, he's saying most of these brothers and sisters are still alive, but we have lost some of them. And then finally, Paul says he appeared to me. He says as one untimely born. We'll talk more about Paul here in just a minute. One of the most amazing things to me in the New Testament is we have multiple eyewitnesses who experienced the risen Christ and they wrote what they saw. In fact, John, when he's writing in in his letter later in the New Testament, 1 John, this is how he starts that letter. He says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. Did you see what John just said? We saw him. We touched him. And now we're going to tell you what we saw and what we touched. Chuck Colson, Charles Colson, was an operative inside President Richard Nixon's White House. In fact, he, was, he, he, did, he called himself President Nixon's hatchet man. If you're familiar at all with the Watergate scandal, Chuck Colson compiled the enemies list Of politicians who were considered threats to the White House. In fact, he once claimed he would walk over his own grandmother to ensure the the re-election of President Nixon. Now, as the Watergate scandal came to light, Chuck Colson is one of the men who went to prison. And in prison, he came to faith in Christ. And when he was released, he founded Prison Fellowship Ministries, which is still an organization that is doing effective work in prison's Today, So, so now, I, I give you all that background to say this. Listen what he says about the resurrection. I know, he says, I know the resurrection is a fact, and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned, and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. And here's why he says that. Look at this. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Because here's what we know about the apostles. We know several of them suffered crucifixion, including Peter, who was crucified upside down, because when they went to crucify him, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as my Lord. And so they said, all right, we'll just turn you upside down. We know James was beheaded. Several of them were stoned. We know John is the only one who did not die a martyr's death, and it's not for lack of trying. The Romans boiled him in oil, and he survived, and it freaked them out because they were, they were pretty good at killing people, and that usually worked. And so when, when they boiled him in oil and it didn't kill him, they exiled him to this island called Patmos, which is where he received the revelation. Now, now listen, one of the theories that's floating around out there is that the apostles made up this whole idea of the resurrection. That, that Jesus really remained in the tomb, and, and somehow they went and they rolled the massive stone away, and they stole his body. To, to make it look like he had, he had resurrected. Now, now listen. Now I don't have a very good pain tolerance, all right? So keep that in mind here. But as they're about to boil me in oil, that's a really good time to go, hey guys, just kidding. We made it all up. It was all a hoax. Gotcha. Right? And they didn't do it. Each of these apostles suffered brutally at the hands of a ruthless, Empire that was trying desperately to stamp out this new movement called the way and each of these men to the man suffered for their faith in Christ Jesus never once denying the fact that Jesus was dead buried rose again and he appeared to them So that's the first thing. It's, it's reliable. The accounts that we have of the resurrection are reliable for your faith, but that's not all. Go with me. Let's look at verse 12. It says, Now if Christ is proclaimed, as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our, proclam- our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover... We are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. Look at verse 19. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone else else. So the, the, the resurrection is reliable for faith. But, but don't miss this, folks. It's required for faith in Christ. It's required. Last week, there, there was a really interesting article that, that came out from BBC News. And, and the headline of the article was, 25% of Christians this, this, this is in Great Britain, 25% of Christians don't believe in the resurrection. Now let me clarify that article for you in case you're confused. What, what that article really means is there are 25% fewer Christians in Great Britain that actually declare themselves to be Christians. Now, now this, maybe this is even more astounding to me. 9% of people who claim to be not religious believe in the resurrection. Now think about that just for a second. So these are people, this is almost 10% of people who would claim to be not religious. The, the rising group, fastest growing religious group in our nation and, and, and in some parts of the world are the nuns, not religiously affiliated. Almost 10% of them believe in the resurrection. 1% say they believe it literally happened yes Jesus literally rose from the dead so are you a Christian no I'm not religious now say what no 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 wait wait a second Kyle are you saying that unless I believe that Christ literally rose from the dead something we've never seen and probably will never see again that, that, that I'm not a Christian well yeah but actually I'm not saying it the Bible's saying it Because the resurrection story, that account is the thing that everything else hinges on. And verses 18 and 19 are, I think, some of the most pivotal words in the entire New Testament. Where Paul is basically saying, listen, I have staked everything on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Starting in verse 17, he said, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. In other words, if you're lost and Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, you're still lost and there is no hope. Moreover, he says, those who have perished in Christ, those who have gone on before us and those that we hope to see in in heaven and glory one day. He says, if Christ isn't raised, they're dead. That's the end of it. And then verse 19. And listen, here's, here's why I say this. Because I've heard some folks before who will say, maybe rather arrogantly, well, if if, if I choose to believe in God and he's real, then I have nothing to lose. But if I choose not to believe in him and he is real, then I have everything to lose. And Paul says here, no. Look at verse 19. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. He said this, if we choose to believe in Christ and there is no resurrection... And our hope ends at the end of this physical life. He said, we are the biggest fools of all. And he turns around and says, I'm putting my stake in the ground, saying that Christ has been raised from the dead, and I'm willing to give everything I have to declare that message. In fact, Paul later will. So so listen, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, we are fools to be in this place but but now listen friends if he has been raised we would be fools not to be here today it's not possible right dead dead guy coming to life it's it can't possibly be true Listen to what Paul says here, 1 Corinthians 1.19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and I will set aside the intelligence of the intelligent. Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. So for those who would say it's not possible that Christ came back from the dead, you don't understand my God. You don't know the power of of my God. And so then really here, it all boils down to this one question. Is your faith rooted in the resurrection? Because listen, let's be honest for a second. You're going to put your faith in something. Or you're going to put your faith in someone. Maybe it's a spouse that you think will meet your every last need. Maybe it's a job or maybe it's a paycheck that you think is finally your coming of age. Like you you feel like you finally arrived and your faith will be in that thing. Listen, sooner or later, the things in this world will let us down. Because they were never meant to hold you up. Christ Jesus will provide a firm foundation. Where is your faith? See, what we see here, as as I said, it's the one thing that changes everything. The, The resurrection is the one thing that caused the same disciples who ran for their lives on the night that Jesus was arrested, who fled as fast as they could, John Mark even leaving his clothes behind and running off naked, he says, just to get away. These same men who ran away like cowards will later boldly go and give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Something changed them. The resurrection is the one thing that led Saul the murderer to become Paul the missionary. And he who once tried to put Christians to death and in prison will end up giving his life, literally losing his head for the sake of the gospel. Something happened and he encountered the risen Lord See, there's some in our world today, when you start talking about Jesus and the cross, they'll scoff. They don't want to hear it. I would go so far as to say maybe some of you in here this morning are skeptical. Maybe some of you kind of scoff and say, yes, this is all, this is all nice Sunday school, vacation Bible school, fantasy. And for that, I have, an, I have an answer for you. If you look and you say, this is ridiculous. This is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. He said there are people in this world who look at it and say that's ridiculous. But it is the power of God to us who are being saved. It's the one thing that changes everything. So I'd ask you this morning, where is your See, the Bible tells us that in Genesis, God created the world perfect, without flaw. He created two people by the name of Adam and Eve who, who lived in perfect fellowship with God and in perfect relationship with one another. Until they decided that their way was better than God's and they were smarter than him. That caused something we call sin into the world, which broke God's perfect creation. And and see, what what will happen is people will try to fill that brokenness with all kinds of stuff. From cocaine to Coca-Cola. Try to fill their lives with something that, that that will take away that brokenness. And the Bible tells us that ultimately this sin leads to death, which is eternal separation from God. But there's good news God sent his only son, Jesus, to die the death we deserved. Take our place. And if we will only repent, which means turn around, and believe that Jesus is who he said he is, the Savior and the Lord, and, and believe that he can do what he said he can do, and that is that he can save us from sin and death, we can be saved. So this gospel then allows us to recover and pursue God's original design for our lives, our lives, for our churches, and ultimately for our world. So the question this morning, is your faith rooted in the resurrection? Have you repented of sins and asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord? Have you crossed that line of faith to trust Him, to say, Jesus, I'm all in? Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, I've never done that, I've never crossed that line of faith. I've never taken that step. Would love for this Easter Sunday, when we celebrate his resurrection, it can be the day that you step from death to life. The way you do that is really simple. Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us this. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness right standing with God, having your sins wiped away, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. If that's you today, we're going to sing a song in just a moment. I would invite you to join me down front. I'd love to pray with you and tell you what it looks like to receive Christ. Maybe you're here and and you would say, Kyle, we've not been involved in church for a long time. Our faith, we've not been pursuing Christ the the way that I know we need to. Maybe today you want to restore that relationship with God, have, have your fellowship with Him restored. You want to better pursue his plan for your life. I'd love, to, love the chance to visit with you and pray with you about that too. Maybe you're here and, and you'd simply say this is, the, this is the church that we know God's leading our family to serve and to give and to, and to pursue him along with the other messed up folks here at First Baptist Church. If that's you, we'd love to have you come and be a part. There are no perfect people in this room. Don't let anybody fool you. We can, be, we can be messed up together, okay? It's great. No better place to do it. However, the Lord's leading. You move. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll and then we'll sing a closing song. Sing, sing in time of invitation. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this morning. We thank you for the reality of the resurrection. I thank you for the immediate life change that happened in the lives of these men who who were so scared to even say that they were followers of Jesus on the night he was arrested who later give their lives, who were emboldened by the reality of the resurrection. It changed everything in their lives. Thank you for men like Chuck Colson who had their lives radically transformed by the power of the gospel and for his declaration of how he came to Realize the resurrection was true because of the faithful witnesses who gave their lives for the sake of the gospel. God, would you let that be the one thing that changes everything in our lives here this morning and going forward. So if there's anyone who's not yet crossed the line of faith and following after Christ Jesus, that today would be the day. For the rest of us, would you cast fear out? knowing that because Christ has risen, because he now reigns at the right seat, the right hand of, of your throne in heaven, we can be emboldened in our own faith. We aren't very good at it on our own. We need your strength. We need your courage. We need your presence to go with us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. If you'd like to contact us, please use the contact us form at www.fbcalamo.com to get in touch with us and let us know how we can pray for you or serve you. If you have a question for Pastor Kyle, you can contact him by email at kyle at fbcalamo.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a good week.